Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. We are the Defenders of Government School. We are interested in the common man, hence the fanfare to the common man at the beginning of our show each week. When I say common man, I mean man, woman, child, doesn't matter because we are the defenders of state schools. And it doesn't matter who you are before you turn up at the door of a state school. We don't care what religion, colour, creed, sexuality you are because that's what state schools do as opposed to private schools. Um, here in the great nation of Australia. So state schools are what we're talking about. Um, finally, actually I won't say finally because it's very, very, I don't know, dangerous to say finally, but I'm going to say it anyway. Finally things have settled down in Canberra when it comes to politics. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure that's true. Um, we have a new ed- federal education minister. Federal education minister, oh my gosh. Um, for this week... Um, next week it might be a different matter, but we have a new federal education minister and there's been a great deal of toing and froing within the Liberal Party, which happens to be, strangely enough, the party of government here in Australia. You'd be surprised about that if you were to look for it from the outside, the way they go on. But they are the party of, inverted commas, government, and Dan Teen is the new education minister and Jean's been doing a bit of digging into him. We'll be sharing our researchers um, here on the program today about what on earth is going on up there when it comes to education. Also, as has been noted here on the Dogs Program and in other mainstream uh, media outlets, there's been a big fight. There's been a big fight right at the heart of church and state in Australia. And when I say church, I mean a church. Um, The Catholic Church has been playing politics in a big way. The Catholic Church, believe it or not, have been trumpeting the fact that they are putting politicians into Parliament. And when churches start boasting they are putting politicians into Parliament and then asking the government to give them lots and lots of money because that's what they do, you've got a problem at the heart of democracy. And um, I'll be dis- we'll be discussing in detail what, what that's all about. Um, certainly in relation to the by-election in Longman, as opposed to the not-federal election we just had in Canberra, um, the by-election in Longman and the politics involved in how in Australia, functionally, we have no separation of religion and state. I think Ireland's in a better state than we are when it comes to that. Um, and, of course, at the end of our program, as we always do, we're finishing on a high because we'll be, we'll be having a look at a great state school, as we always do here on the program. But um, I think we're going to kick off, as we often do, with a press release written by Jane. This is number 760, Jane. Yes, Dan Tien for Education Minister, an appointment for special interests and special deals. Dan Tien is the new Federal Education Minister in Morrison's Cabinet reshuffle that saw the former Education Minister Simon Birmingham, the first Minister, this is Simon Birmingham, in a century to acknowledge the shenanigans and overfunding of the Catholic Church schools, Well, he's been shuffled off to trade, tourism and investment. In an unstable government and disaffected crossbenchers, it's anyone's guess how long Dan Tien will remain on the government benches. For in a government in hock to special interests like coal and the Catholic education industry, the coalition is also dealing with a disaffected electorate. I'm sorry about all of that alliteration. It just happened. Coal, Catholic education and coalition. There is nothing in this government's mindset for the majority of the nation's children in public schools, however. 
Dan Tehan is a graduate of the Xavier Cathedral College in Melbourne and he's very closely tied to the Catholic Education Commission of Victoria's head, Stephen Elder. Uh, The Australian newspaper reports a very good personal relationship between the two. So once again, the coalition cannot see beyond the special interests of the Catholic Church. And Stephen Elder had this to say. He, by the way, is the Executive Director of the Catholic Education Commission of Victoria. He was just over the moon. I welcome the appointment of Dan Tien as Minister for Education, he said in a press release. Mr Tien has already served in the complex and often sensitive portfolios of Veterans Affairs and Social Services, portfolios that require both a listener and a doer. Uh, In the Social Services portfolio listeners, he introduced that cashless card for uh, Aborigines and others. As a member of the House of Representatives and Regional MP, Mr Elder continues, he is well aware of the need for speaking to and engaging with his constituency. Well, for Mr Elder, of course, that means just the Catholics in the constituency, just us. Mr Tien, according to Mr Elder, will also recognise the challenges of providing parental choice in education outside the capital cities. He looks forward to working with Mr Tien and the Prime Minister to replace the SES scores with a better measure of school needs, as recommended by the National School Resourcing Board as a matter of priority, a recognition of the importance of choice in education for Catholic school parents and bringing the school funding wars of the past 15 months to an end with the fair and equitable solution Catholic education has always sought. Well, that's Stephen Elder, and we know that Stephen Elder and his bishops, when it comes to school funding, dear listeners, I'm afraid they are shameless. We are also told that the new Federal Education Minister, Dan Tien, phoned key stakeholders in the Catholic school funding war within hours of being given his new portfolio. So sensitive has the dispute become, we're told, that Mr Tien made his first contact even before being officially sworn in. That's what we're told by the Australian Financial Review. Which, by the way tells us that Catholic schools aren't asking for a special deal. The Australian Financial Review, that part of the Fairfax stable, are giving us different messages than the Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. Very interesting. Now, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has also said that he would be personally involved in finding a solution to the conflict and he hoped to get a resolution as quickly as possible. How interesting. There is funding wars... And the Catholics have got to be uh, dealt with. And we understood that back in 1973, the Labor Party was supposed to have solved the state aid problem. Listeners, the state aid problem has never gone away and it never will go away while the churches and the church schools are funded by the public purse. Now, a Catholic church insider we're told, has also said that following a series of phone calls late on Sunday night and early Monday between the minister and the church hierarchy, that's not Stephen Elder, by the way, that is the bishops and the archbishops, relations between the two had gone from DEFCON 1 to something a bit lower. A change in the funding formula could be worth as much as $200 million to parents in Victoria, which has been leading the campaign against the federal government. Well, if it's $200 million to people in Victoria, it's at least $1 billion that taxpayers are looking at to placate the bishops and archbishops of Australia so that they can get as much funding as they want with no strings attached. Now, it's also understood that Mr Tien spoke with members of a special negotiating team that was set up in July, and this has effectively put in place a hotline to the government. So the bishops have got 
the ear of the government. Well, when did they not have the ear of the government? We've always known that they have been in the corridors of power, but they're coming in even closer. That followed a reportedly fractious meeting between the former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull and three Catholic bishops in last July, and the negotiating team has included representatives of several Catholic education commissions. So Mr Elder is right there in the corridors of power with Mr Tian at the very moment. Now, the commissions, the Catholic Education Commissions, of course, say that federal funding arrangements discriminate against Catholic schools compared with other independent schools. And this was backed up in a report by the businessman, Michael Cheney, who recommended assessing parents' income as part of the formula for establishing how much government assistance a school should get. And this would replace the present system, which takes a socioeconomic status snapshot of a school's entire local community. Now, the change, as we've just said, means about a billion dollars, they, they estimate, throughout Australia. Now, among the bishops to have tackled Mr Turnbull in July was the president of the Australian Catholic Bishops' Conference and Archbishop of Brisbane, Mark Coleridge. So they're really bringing in the big guns to this government in Canberra. Uh, This is called lobbying. This is called getting priority in lobbying, getting up the top of the lobbyists who are running Canberra at the moment. I'm sure Mr Trump would call them the swamp. In his previous position, this Mark Coleridge was Bishop of the Broken Bay Diocese north of Sydney, in which some Catholic schools raised fees by 25% in the face of the existing funding formula. And the National Catholic Education Commission says in one of the affected primary schools, uh, the enrolments then fell by 10%. Well, both the Victorian and the National Commissions have warned that they'll use the next election as a lever point. And a representative of the NCEC said it represents the parents and carers of 765,000 students nationally and will brief them on the position of political parties on funding. Well, dear listeners, I doubt very much whether Catholic education is going to be terribly important in the election, which may be called sooner rather than later, if Mr Wilkie and Cathy McGowan have any say in the matter. Now, uh, there has been other reactions to Mr Tien. Peter Goss from the Grattan Institute, in the age of the 29th of August 2018, advised that Dan Tien should focus on what matters most. Well, what matters most to Peter Goss of the Grattan Institute? The gap between Australia's educational haves and have-nots. It's getting wider. And the brutal reality is that, on average, disadvantaged students learn less during school than their more advanced peers. Attending a disadvantaged school also compounds the loss. We didn't hear anything about this, nothing about real disadvantaged children, did we? from the Catholic education bishops. Now, disadvantaged Year 9 students, for example, whose parents didn't finish school, are on average three years behind in NAPLAN's reading, writing and numeracy compared with those from advantaged families, for example, those whose parents have a bachelor's degree. And disadvantaged schools, he believes, typically find it harder to attract well-qualified teachers or provide adequate educational resources. And this resource disparity is bigger in Australia than any other country in the OECD. Yet our public schools, which educate the bulk of Australia's most disadvantaged students, receive, on average less than 90% of their funding targets, while non-government schools that do less heavy lifting are much closer to being fully funded. Some, in fact, are overfunded, at least on average. And this, these funding wars deal with overfunded private schools that Mr Birmingham wanted to bring put it down. He wanted the overfunding to be brought down, save, save the taxpayers a bit of money perhaps, with ridiculously overfunded schools. And that's what it's all been about 
Proper needs-based funding won't solve everything, Peter Goss says, but it's essential. Well, dogs note that needs-based funding has never been properly implemented. It's always been gamed by special interests like the Catholic and other private schools. And the only way forward is to have a national schools system which is free, secular and universal. And we have been saying that since 1964. We're still right, but the people in Canberra appear to never be able to learn. So we live in very interesting times. We're almost certainly going to have an election sooner rather than later. The electorate are disaffected. The majority of parents, in fact, in Australia, are sending their children to public schools. The Labor Party are still mesmerised by the Catholic vote, unfortunately, particularly Tanya Plibersek. And this is largely because their leaders went to this school system and were not taught to see beyond it. So the dogs will be looking elsewhere when it comes to the uh, election. And let's see who is offering something to our disadvantaged public schools. Not all our schools are disadvantaged, of course. If a child goes to school with children from all kinds of backgrounds, they are advantaged from the beginning in many, many different ways. But we'll leave it to Robert later in the program to talk about some of our great public schools. Meanwhile, that's enough from me. Over to Robert. Thanks very much, Jean. Thanks for that. Press release number 760 here on the Dogs Program, 855 on the AM dial, um, and also podcast on the WWWs. If you want to check that press release once more, you can, of course, on our website, www.adogs.info. It's www.adogs.info. But let's have a bit of music and then we'll continue on discussing the issues with um, education funding in Australia after this. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. 3CR's Radical Radio book is now on sale for just 30 You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history on sale for just $30. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now.
Welcome back to the Dogs Program. Yes, a little bit of, well, the music I like, and I hope I can share it with you. That's um, from the Contigas to Santa Maria, written by a, uh, a dude called Alfonso X of Castile. He happened to sort of put that, put that music together about 700 years ago. Um, yeah, that was paid by Winsome Evans and the Renaissance Players and recording made back in the 80s, actually. But still fresh and alive today for the fact that it was written 700 years ago and recorded 30 years ago. Anyway, back to the serious business of what the dogs do. We are here to defend government schools. One of the ways you can uh, defend government schools is to bring to light things that the people of Australia need to know. So we're kind of a media organisation here. I'm not a journalist. I suppose I'm a lobbyist, really, aren't I? I'm a lobbyist, not paid, <laughs> but I'm a lobbyist for the state school system. Um, there are lots of lobbyists out there for education systems that aren't the state school system. There's, there's lobbyists for the Catholic school system. There's lobbyists for the independent school system. And we're lobbyists, I suppose, for the state school system. Now, these lobbyists, um, certainly in the private school sector, are all cock a because there was a by-election and they reckon they won it for the government. Whether that's true or not, I'm not quite sure. When I say won it for the government, I mean won it for the Labor Party because at some point I'm pretty sure they're going to be the government. And it relates, I don't know, I think it's worth discussing in some detail exactly what's going on. Now, the Catholic education system have wheeled out a few big guns lately, one of which is a bloke called Frank Brennan. Frank Brennan is a professional nice man. He's a very religious man. He's a father. Um, and that's what I'm sure. Actually, he's probably not a father. His name's Father Frank Brennan, but he's not a father. I think he's a father in a religious sense. Anyway, he's a professional nice man. He's also quite clever. I, I admire a lot of what he says. He's one of those interesting people who's both nice and logical, and I completely disagree with most of what he says. Um, it's, it, it's the old school, um, sort of civil disagreement. And Frank Brennan has written a lovely article about what's gone on with the school funding debate and how it relates to politics. And he says in an article which he wrote oh, a couple of weeks ago now, he says, there is no let-up in the school funding battle, he opines. It's probably with a sigh saying, I wish they'd stop battling and just give us the money. He said, as it featured in the last two rounds of federal by-elections, and economics writer Ross Gittins, who works for the Fairfax Stable, um, who actually has, and, and Frank Brennan notes, he has Salvation Army roots. How, why that's relevant, I don't know, but that's what he says. Ross Gittins, he says, has Salvation Army roots. But what Ross Gittins does have is a strong commitment um, to equality and poverty, and this has come out in his writings over the years. He's an economist, but he's interested in equity. Anyway, Ross Gittins, according to Frank Brennan, says that the Catholics are trying to extract special deals from both Labour and the coalition before the election, while the large, largely Protestant independent sector is threatening to arc up if the Catholics get what they want. Um, uh, Ross Gittins says, hope Jesus is pleased with the example that you're setting to your students, guys. And, and Frank Brennan says, ouch, ouch, that's a bit, a bit nasty. Um, Birmingham says, and I quote, this is the old education minister, uh, the Turnbull government's focus has always been to deliver a fair funding system for schools that is transparent, consistently applied, needs-based and aligned with the firm belief that every student deserves at least some level of support. We remain committed to these principles. So Birmingham was saying, yeah, well, everyone gets some money. It doesn't really matter. Don't worry. Everyone settle down and be quiet. Now, Frank Bennon, his mate, basic argument, I won't go into it in detail, but his basic argument, and I'm sure he would agree, is that you should give money to the Catholic school system because the Catholic school system are full of very nice people who say nice things, and it is an antidote to the sort of just-me culture that we have here in Australia. Forgive me, I think if he's having a go at somebody who was a, uh, allegedly brought up a, uh, a Salvation Army, we've got a bit of reverse sectarianism here, haven't we? Oh, you could say that, Jane. In fact, you'd probably be right to say that. But the point I think he's trying to make is that we have to give money to the nice Catholic schools because they're nice, because they teach children to be generous, as opposed to the secular world, which is dog-eat-dog dog and, and, and what's in it for me. So he's, he's defending... Joking. He's joking. No, he's not. No, he's not. And, and, and this, this is the fascinating thing, and I'm a bit disappointed in him, actually, because often what he says, I disagree with it fundamentally, but he's, he, he, he has a logic. He, he's a thoughtful fellow. But he's saying that Catholic schools in particular should be funded by the government because they have collectively an ethos, which means that they teach their students to be generous and not just in it for themselves. He says defending a system which is, by definition in this context, just in it for itself. 
Well, they've just produced a Mr. Rad- a Mr. Mm. Rabbit. And the other thing he says, and, and I think at this point, Frank Brennan, um, I'm, I'm, I've, as I say, I've, I've listened to what he says um, over the years, and he seems to be a reasonable sort of fellow, but he's now tra- trolling out the argument that functionally the parents in Catholic schools are the ones that are paying for the education of the children in Catholic schools. Now, I'm going to say this, and it's just a very simple thing. That's not true. The parents at Catholic schools are not paying for the education of their children. They're paying a little top-up subsidy sort of icing on the cake. They're buying the cherry, the parents. That's what they're paying for. They're paying for the cherry. The vast majority of the the money in the Catholic school system that is used to educate the children in the Catholic school system comes from me and you. And because if you pay tax, the taxpayers are paying for this. So the idea of, you know, well, it's good values and the Catholics do good things and nothing bad ever happens and all that sort of stuff that Brennan's going on about, and I'm probably putting words into his mouth. I'm sure he does admit that bad things happen. And Brennan's response to the Royal Commission into all the terrible things that have happened, his responses to that have been somewhat honest, I have to say. But he's still saying that we have to give us the money because we teach values. So there's values, there's choice, and there's saving money. He's trawling out the arguments. Now, interestingly enough, um, on John Monadieu's uh, little blog out there called Pearls and Irritations, yeah, um, Lindsay Cummins has been doing some writing, um, and there's an article that she's put up on this blog, and I think it's absolutely fascinating, examining exactly what Frank Brennan is on about. And she says, um, published on the 17th of August, that's just last week, she published this, she said in, in the article, and she's referring again to the Ross Gittens article, the original one that got this whole thing kicked off, which, by the way, was entitled School Funding After the Batman and Longman By-Elections. Um, there was a response by Frank Bennett. Um, following the overt political interventions by the Catholic Church in the democratic elections of Australia, I'm going to say that again, following the overt intervention by the Catholic Church in the democratic elections of Australia. Um, yeah, I'll just say it because it's true. It's just the weirdest thing to say. We're supposed to not be having this in, in a secular democracy. But anyway, um, Giddens wrote um, that the Catholics are trying to extract special deals from both Labor and the Coalition before the upcoming election, while the largely Protestant independent sector is threatening to arc up if the Catholics succeed. And he says, I hope Jesus is pleased with the example that you're setting to your students. Now, Frank Bennett, in response to this, said, ouch, that hurts. But Lindsay Collins says, this is a sadly inadequate response. That just doesn't cut it in the circumstances. Where too many of the students in Australia are left without resources they need to gain the full benefits of schooling and get a good start in life. Now, the Australian school system, to use a current buzzword, has undergone a great disruption. Disruption. But there's no hint of this disruption um, that Frank Bennon alludes to in his article. Now, back in 2007, Max Angus, the Western Australian education researcher, stated that the Australian education system, taken as a whole, is evolving into something, but we don't know what. Now, a decade later, we know what the what is, and it's not a good what. We know for sure that the system has been disrupted and is not heading back to the world reflected um, what Frank Brennan's actually talking about. Now, Brennan's article includes a statement that there is an established system of government and non-government schools, including Catholic primary schools, which are usually low-fee paying. Well, certainly there was an established system, and the old framework within which, that's, which, within which that system operated is intact and visible. But it's a divided system of public and private, largely religious schools. But nothing inside the framework in what it seems that the established system has actually now been in flux for decades. Australian schools are funded inside a framework that is originally legitimised, backed by Gough Whitlam in the Schools Commission Act. It was a framework constructed to accommodate old political and sectarian divides from the colonial era, just as Australia was becoming far more culturally and linguistically diverse. For many, it was becoming more affluent as well back in the 70s and 80s. That framework was constructed in the 1970s is now just a shell. 
It's been hollowed out from within by a series of political compromises and appropriations and, and the vagaries of our federal system of government. Nothing is what it seems from the outside. Within the old familiar shell, political deals and market forces have produced a hybrid system of schools with a mishmash of value systems, government structures and processes, financial incentives, obligations, responsibilities and accountabilities. Between 1974, when the Commonwealth became a significant partner in school funding, and 2017, the proportion of the total student population in public schools fell from 79 to 66%. It remained roughly similar in the Catholic sector, rising from 17 to 20, while the proportion in private independent schools rose from 4% to 14%. The shift in the school population from secular to the religious schools, which comprise 95% of all private schools, was accompanied by a drift away from religious belief and observance in Australia as a wider population. Such has been the decline in students professing no religion in these schools that the peak independent schools body is now advising its member schools to rethink their marketing strategies. I'm just going to say that again. Such is the decline in students professing no religion in these schools that the peak independent schools body is now advising member schools, religious schools run by religious organisations, to rethink their marketing strategy. If that question, perhaps they should actually go back to what Christ was about. Yes, I think that was a very interesting uh, statement by Ross Gittins in the first place. Mm. Now, these statistics are net effects of parents toing and froing within, within and between public and private school sectors. The market forces that produced them were starting to ramp up in the 1990s where old loyalties were breaking down. In Canberra, the public school my own children had attended went from being rather ordinary in the educational and social hierarchy from being a magnet for opt-out of area enrolments. Friends who had themselves been educated in the public system had gone on to successful careers were now sending their children to private schools. Changes were also afoot in the local Catholic systems. Some primary schools, confronted by falling enrolments arising from local demographic decline, backfilled their empty spaces with students from non-Catholic families, while some aspirational Catholic parents were actually moving their children up the social hierarchy out of Catholic schools into non-Catholic schools. Other parents were rediscovering the Catholic roots and joining the march into private schooling. The character and composition of the Catholic system changed. The displacement of children from the public system to the Catholic from Catholic families unable to pay fees was acknowledged in internal reports. But it was the 1996 election of the Howard government that brought disruption to the funding of schools in Australia and spelt trouble for the Catholic systems and indeed the state school system. The funding model introduced by the Whitlam government had been congenial to the concept of Catholic systems as a communitarian form of schooling. This was dismantled by the Howard government which favoured policies based on consumer choice and provided competition fuelled by increased public funding to non-government schools. Now, although Minister Simon Birmingham, uh, ex-minister I should say, is now being lined up as the scapegoat, well yes he has been lined up because he's gone, in the latest row over Catholic schools, it was John Howard and his education minister David Kemp who brought the changes that led to tensions within the Catholic sector itself. The attempt to fit Catholic systems into the Howard government's model, which was more compatible with traditional independent schools, was characterised by a series of special deals. These special deals corrupted a deeply flawed funding model and placed Catholic systems on a false footing within it. The link between the level of public grants and the educational needs of students through a resource standard was broken. Now, the cumulative effects of the special deals that occurred in the Howard years became clear once the concept of school resource standards was reinstalled by the Gillard Labor government on the advice of the Gonski Review Panel in 2011. The current tensions within the private school sector between Catholic systems and independent schools can be traced to an attempt by Simon Birmingham to deal with funding anomalies between those Catholic schools that benefited from the special deals and those other schools that did not. Now, back to Frank Brennan. His commitment to social justice is respected widely within and beyond the Catholic community. 
This high standard brings with it a responsibility to advance his argument on behalf of Catholic schools based on the best available data and informed by current realities. His claim that non-government schools are largely dependent on fees paid by parents to reach a reasonable resource level is just not true. The only private schools that are largely dependent on parental fees are the minority which operate at resource levels far beyond what the government considered to be reasonable, generally. It was never true for ordinary local Catholic schools, which were largely dependent on and contributed services of religious teachers prior to the 1970s. And it's surprising, actually I don't think it's surprising, but she says it's surprising that Brennan does not know this history. Now, as those services dwindled away, the cost of teachers in Catholic schools had been transferred, not to the parents, but to me, the taxpayer, to you, the taxpayer, to the public purse. The latest national report on schooling shows that by 2016, Catholic schools overall were receiving at least 73% of their funding from government. And in fact, some very interesting work that's just recently been done shows that this is between 95 and 110% in 2018. But we've also paid for the new schools. Nobody's talking about that. The, the, the disadvantaged children in Catholic schools paid for the new schools that were put up in developing areas since the 1970s. Yeah. And in fact, in Australia, parents in Catholic schools pay less than 10% of the cost of their child's education. Taxpayers pay the rest. We'll be returning to this article by Lindsay Connors, I think, after a little bit more music. But it's a fascinating, because Lindsay Connors has not always been a friend to the dogs. Um, oh, far from it. Oh, far, far from, from it, it, indeed. But, yeah, things have gone so far that even people like Lindsay Connors are now sort of trouting, yeah, basically trotting out Jean's press releases for her. Anyway, we'll be back after a bit of music. Well, just one figure before we do. Uh, there's a, another very interesting figure that people should be looking at, which is the contributions of public school parents to public schools. You just might find that they are contributing more in voluntary fees to the public system than Catholic parents are contributing to Catholic schools. Very interesting figure.
OCR is in the running to receive nearly $100,000 to help us retrofit our station for greater accessibility. That means better handrails, doors, taps, ramps. And more to provide improved access for everyone. But we need your support. Do you live within 5 kilometres of the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy? If you do, you're eligible to vote for us. Our project is part of the Victorian State Government's Pick My Project scheme. And you can jump online and vote for 3CR's Community Radio Accessibility Project by going to 3cr.org.au. It's only with your vote that we can receive this important funding to make our station more accessible. The Australian Plants Expo is a huge native plant fair coming up on September 8th and 9th in Eltham. There'll be books, art, giftware and talks by Philip Johnson, A.B. Bishop and Loretta Childs. There'll also be demonstrations and workshops on botanical art, propagation and native bonsai, as well as activities for children, refreshments and door prizes. Saturday and Sunday, September 8th and 9th, 10am to 4pm at the Eltham Community and Reception Centre, 801 Main Road, Eltham. Contact at APSYarraYarra at gmail.com or call 0430-513-433 for more details. Australian Plant Society Yarra Yarra is a 3CR supporter. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. That was, that was good fun, wasn't it? Um, so that was more Cantigas to Santa Maria. I'm sort of... Um, yeah, indulging myself with my own likes in music, and I hope you do enjoy it. Yeah, it's from 700 years ago. Alfonso wrote that for us, and uh, it's good to have it here on 3CR today. Look, but back to the serious business of what uh, Lindsay Connors, um, not always a friend of the dogs, um, is saying <laughs> in what is effectively a press release uh, for the dogs. She's saying that after the Batman and Longman elect- by-elections that have just happened, and you know, leading up to the federal election that's now almost inevitable, um, there were several arguments that were put forward to the population of Australia that were recycled and no longer true. Um, and they've gone increasingly thin and outdated over the years, and that's why we're here to tell you about them. Because these arguments rely heavy on the claim that increased public funding for non-government schools saves the taxpayer the cost of further state school funding. And this is also usually accompanied by some sort of threat, which is say if you don't fund private schools and you don't increase funding to private schools, this will result in an increased number of children knocking on the door of local state schools, thereby requiring additional government funding. Now, these arguments actually go back to 1962 and the great gold, great golden... And I know Jean's got something to say about this. 25% of the children in public school... Uh, in, of, of Catholics in, throughout Australia have always been in public schools. We, we have succeeded in integrating as many of our new immigrants to this country as we have. Our lovely multicultural society that we're told is so wonderful is as wonderful as it is because we have integrated our children in our public schools. They forget about the real values the places, the schools that have got the real values where we have been teaching people to live together. Hmm. And, well, to take it from the general back to the particular, in Goulburn, which we were talking about, um, what happened in Goulburn was that the local Catholics were, well, we're going to close down because we can't do it because you haven't given us enough money, you naughty government, you. And they did, and they said, well, that's terrible. And then they basically blackmailed the government into giving them money in 1962, and that is the argument. But the other side of that question, or that event was that the children in the state schools were enjoying themselves so much in Goulburn that they didn't want to go back to the Catholic schools. <laughs> so the Catholics really had to get them back as quickly as possible. Yeah, there's truth enough in that. But um, if the same thing were to happen today, like if exactly the same church officials said exactly the same thing about exactly the same schools that were there in Goulburn. If exactly the same thing happened today, I'll tell you right now that in Goulburn, all the students currently, currently um, enrolled in Catholic schools in Goulburn, we, the taxpayer, pay for those kids $13,116,662. Yeah. 
to educate those kids in those schools. Now, if all those skills, sorry, all those all those kids, um, you know, were kicked out of the school and had to go to the local state school, and they had to be educated on the public purse, the cost to educate all those children, all of those children in Golden, in a state school, would be twelve million four hundred and thirty thousand, sorry, four hundred and thirty thousand five hundred and ninety-four dollars. This would actually represent a recurrent cost saving every year of $686,068 every year. It would be a cost saving. Now, this is not something that Frank Brennan tells us about. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's just do it. The argument that increased public funding to non-government schools has saved the taxpayer is simplistic since cost-shifting from state to the Commonwealth is not saving to taxpayers. Because, of course, in Australia, state schools are funded by state governments, private schools are funded by the federal government. It's all just taxes. And the full cost of the transfer is poorly researched or even understood. Now, what we have is the Morrison government and and the Turnbull government before them has used changes to the Australian Education Act to secure the place of private schooling as the top funding priority in the Commonwealth's education budget. So it's the top funding priority for the... 80%. Yep. 80%. For the the federal government. And then if it's 25% from Victoria, they'll be getting 105%. And they're still not satisfied. Yeah. And now this money from the federal government is more money than is given to universities in Australia, which is also a federal responsibility. So more money goes to private schools than to universities in terms of the federal, and certainly much more than TAFE and VET. Absolutely fascinating. Now, for those of you out there, and I'm certainly one of them, who want a clear understanding about how Catholic schools are funded under this whole Gonski 2.0 business, they'd be better advised to work on the relay, rely on the works they have Peter Goss than on, on what Frank Brennan's going on about. Now, in his article, Brennan refers to the claims that from within the Catholic sector that without ongoing increases in public funding, fees will need to go on rising and some Catholic schools will be at risk of closure. There's no doubt the system of significant benefits over standalone independent schools, although the capacity for economies of scale and for fine-tuning and distribution of resources among schools in the interest of equity, efficiency and effectiveness. Yes, the trouble is, I'm afraid, Lindsay Connors, you're actually, um, in saying that, that there is economies of scale in the Catholic school system which is funded by taxpayers, that their efficiencies of equity and, indeed, effectiveness relate to the benefits to the system itself, not to the children, which has been borne out again and again by Auditor General's reports, who say that children in schools are being underfunded in a particular school so that the Catholic education system can create loss-leading schools on the outer urban areas of all of Australia so that they can, they can hijack market share in expanding areas by using taxpayers' money ripped out of inner urban schools with Australian children in them. They just happen to be Australian children in Catholic schools. This has been going on for generations and it's actually accelerating as our population does. It's called gaming the system and they have been doing it since 1973. The dogs put full page advertisements in the paper trying to uh, tell people what was going on and the money that was given for disadvantaged children was used to build new needy schools in the outer areas of Melbourne and elsewhere, Sydney also, all over. Yep, indeed. Now, having said all this, we can go on and on about this, but I, I think Lindsay Connors is, is you know, she pulls back, she pulls back from the brink. The only way to solve this problem, and it really is a very simple problem, it's a very simple solution, it's a revolutionary solution, but it's a simple solution. If you want the largest number of children educated at the highest standard in Australia, you need, as a country, to do two things. The first thing you need to do is you may need, we need as collectively to make a decision that if there is a school around your corner that is run by us, the people of Australia, that is inadequate, that you have decided as a, as, as a parent population or as a community is not good enough, if your local state school is something that you're not proud of, if your local state school is under-resourced and you would not send, as I heard one parent say a little while ago, I wouldn't send my dog there, the first solution to this problem is if that's the way you feel about your local state school, then that is your tragedy. 
That is, in fact, your problem. That is, in fact, something that you need to talk to your local member about because if the school in the next suburb across is better than yours, that's not good enough. You better do something about that. If you need more resources, get them. If you need more community involvement, do it. If the children in that school are not getting a good education, then that's actually your problem. That's our problem. That's my problem. It's not just the problem of the dogs. Because at the moment in Australia, you don't have to think that way. In the moment in Australia, you go, oh, well, it's okay. I'll just buy my way out. I'll just send my child to a, to a private school. If, if, if that's, you know, I'll just, if I've got a bit of money, I'll do that. If I don't have a bit of money, I'll just have to put up with it. You see, that's, that's one of the first and fundamental things that has to happen culturally in Australia. Private is not better than public, never has been, if you actually want to do something for the whole country. On Q&A the other night, Bob Catter used the N-word, not the F-word, the N-word, when it came to energy. He said, nationalise it. And um, energy is that important, education is that important. Nationalise it and let those who want to be private be genuinely private. Dogs aren't frightened to use the N-word. Nationalise our national education system. Let's give all our children an excellent education in public schools which are public in every sense of the word. Which is, in fact, the second thing you need to do. It's, it's just that simple. Look, now it's come time, of course. Towards the end of the program, we have some good news. I want to tell you about Preston West, a great state school. Every week on the Doctor Program, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State school. School of the school. week. Great state schools. State, state schools. schools. School are of the week. Schools. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. Welcome back to the Dogs Program. It's Preston West Primary School turned to get under the microscope about what a great state school they are. Preston West is on Murray Road, um, up there in Preston. It's in the city of Darabin. Now, for those people who know much about Preston, it used to be Struggle Town. You know, back in the days when everyone wandered on about how wonderful and terrible Collingwood and Richmond were, no, West Preston was never a place that you'd want to be. But I tell you what, Preston West has got a really interesting demographic makeup these days. Um, Average ICSIA value for kids in Australia is 1,000. Preston West, 1,126. State school in West Preston, there are a lot of young families out there with a fair bit of money. It's fascinating. 4% of the kids that go to this school are in the lowest quartile and 54% are in the highest quartile of Australians. Absolutely fascinating. The results of this school, I'll look up... All I can say is that the NAPLAN results for this school, for what it's worth, and I actually want to talk about NAPLAN next week because there's some weird stuff going on with NAPLAN. NAPLAN doesn't work, but we'll come back to that um, and deal with it next week. Um, but anyway, the, the NAPLAN results are through the roof. Absolutely, stunningly brilliant. Um, so you've got this school in what used to be a very downtrodden place, and if you go back to 2010, if you go back to 2010 in West Preston, um, which is when the, when the whole my school thing, you know, when we, when we started having things publicly available, um, it was actually slightly different because about well, you know, four percent of the kids in the lowest quartile, it's twenty five percent of the kids were in the lowest quartile back eight years ago. Rapid changes in this school; they're doing extraordinary things. Yes, rich people are moving in, but at the same time, there's more boys coming into the school, which I find absolutely fascinating. A lot of boys going to Preston West over there. In fact, 55% of the kids in the school are, are boys, which is, I don't know, I, I think just personally think that's rather interesting. So they're dealing with probably all sorts of issues, including behavioural ones. Now, it's just round the corner from the Preston Market and the High Street Shopping Precincts. I don't know about you, but if you go to the Preston Market, it's not full of rich people. <laughs> it really ain't. It's full of the most extraordinary multicultural. I mean, I'm, I shouldn't be... Um, I shouldn't be disloyal, but, you know, Preston Market's the best market in Australia as far as I'm concerned. There's nothing you can't get at a good price there. It's really cool. But the school itself is interested in providing safe, stimulating and supportive. So they're not sort of massively aspirational words for a primary school. Safe, stimulating, supportive. But I tell you what, they're getting massively impressive results. 
So how much does it cost? How much does it cost to educate a child at Preston West? Now, bear in mind, it takes about $12,000 a year to educate, and I hate to use the word average, but the median child in Australia. A median child takes about $12,000 a year of taxpayers money to educate every year. And quite frankly, I think in a state school, that's where my taxes should go because these are the kids that are going to be looking after me in the old people's home, quite frankly. $8,500 per kid at Preston West. That is value for money. It's actually $4,000 less than what the government gives to the Catholic school down the road. I wonder how it's much parents are cheap as, cheap as. Um, parents, in terms of fees and charges, are asked to cough up $250 every year. Mm. $250 every year. But I happen to know at Preston West, the parent community is very involved. They don't give money... They give time. Even though they often come from double-income families, it's a very highly motivated parent community out there at Preston West, so congratulations. Good teachers too. Good teachers, good kids, saving me money. I mean, that's that's $4,000 a year that I'm not spending because these kids are going to state schools. I think we should have a new thing. Save the taxpayer money. Oh, just think how much better close, they did Close down all the private schools. Let's save the taxpayers some money. And I think Preston West can lead the way. So congratulations. You are our Great State School of the Week, Preston West Primary School. Now, if you're interested in letting us know about a Great State School that you know about, all you've got to do is call up 3CR and just drop the name of the school, and your name too, but drop the name of the school and say, get Rob onto it. He can. There's this really cool school that I know about that my child goes to, a Great State School. And it'll be on the radio in the, in the weeks to follow. You can just give the radio station a call here at 3CR on 9419 That's 9419 But if you're interested in finding out more about what we're on about here at The Dogs, you can, of course, contact us at our website, www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. But our time is now gone. And so some gentle strains of Joe Hill... Um, we bid you farewell until next week. I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he. I never died, says he. In Salt Lake City, just as I am standing by my bed, they framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I'm dead, says Joe. Killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. Takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe. I didn't die, says Joe. I didn't die. And standing there as big as life and smiling with his eyes. Says Joe, what they can never kill Went on to organize Went on to organize From San Diego up to Maine In every mine and mill Where workers strike and organize It's there you find your hill Joe, you're ten years dead.